But in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, he became king, and he was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Wow. To the fragrance of spring Every creature's unique in a song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God All powerful, untamable Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The reign of Azariah was largely characterized by the good he did in the sight of the Lord. His goodness was rewarded with a long reign of 52 years. However, as with Jehoash and Amaziah, the reforms of Azariah did not reach so far as to remove these traditional places of sacrifice to the Lord known as the high places. Although God blessed Azariah king of Judah with a long reign, there were consequences to some of his policies that he carried on from his father and grandfather. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins our study in chapter 15 in the book of 2 Kings. We've been making our way through 2 Kings and it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been very difficult to see just... The best that man can do, and uh, First and Second Kings is as much like judges. Just they, they try to govern themselves, and they go through this experiment of trusting in God and then uh, not trusting God. And whenever we don't trust God and we go our own way, it, it is a complete disaster. And First and Second Kings is just um, uh, shows exactly that, just as it did in Judges, and. Um, but God loves his people, and he's very gracious, very gracious. And I'm so glad that I'm not God because um, sometimes my temperament, my, my attitude is not really a reflection of God's attitude and his heart. And that's why we need to be filled constantly every single day just to be led by his spirit and, and just allowing him to live the life of Christ through us, to let, live through us. And if I can do that, then I will love my fellow man, regardless of what they do to me. I mean, we don't have to be best friends with people, but we can, we can love them and uh, treat them with respect. And, and that includes everybody, right? And that's what we've been called to do. You know, we don't need to start fights and create problems. Uh, problems will find us. We don't need to create them. But how we deal with them is very important. And so... Uh, we'll see that in, in the lives of, of these kings, too. Uh, a lot of times trouble comes to them. Many times they actually are the cause of the trouble. But tonight we're going to be looking at chapter 15, and we're going to see in this chapter tonight seven different kings, the reigns of seven different kings. And the first one, uh, or actually the first two, are in Judah, um, Azariah or Uzziah, 
And um, his, that those two names are synonymous, uh, Azariah or Uzziah, and then Jotham. And those are the only two kings that are covered tonight. But then there's these other five kings of Israel, Zechariah, Shalom, uh, Menahem, uh, Pekahiah, and Pekah, or Pekah. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. And there's a lot more in, in the general uh, time frame as these other two. And because those kings of Israel that I just read to you, their reigns lasted very short. And it's remarkable uh, to me the instability, uh, again, of the northern kingdom due to their continued idolatry. And this ought not to be a shock to us because of what Romans 6.23 tells us. And what does Romans 6.23 tells us? So this is one of those verses that you want to... Uh, put to memory. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a great memory verse to remember. It's short and it's uh, very clear. And their sin, speaking of Israel and Judah for that matter, their sin continued uh, to breed hate, uh, intrigue, and conspiracy, resulting and what I believe uh, is in much shorter reigns, uh, especially exemplified in the kings of Israel. Because as I said, we're going to be looking at two of them from Judah, but five of them from Israel. These guys over here in Israel, their reigns were very short. And, and it's no surprise because they're, they're, they were just so farther along on the trail of death, if you will, than Judah was. But Judah was catching up. Judah was learning from her sister to the north. And even though Israel would be led captive first by the Assyrians, it would only be 116 years later that Nebuchadnezzar would come with the Babylonian army and lay siege to Jerusalem and ultimately take them captive into Babylon. But it's this... Um, and We're also going to see in verses 19, if you look uh, in the chapter that we're going to look at, we're going to read the first 12 verses in just a moment, but... Look at verses 19 and verses 29. You might just want to circle them um, before we get started because we're going to see also in these chapters, or these verses, specifically in verse 19 and verse 29, we're going to see Assyria making advances um, uh, to, into the kingdom of, of Israel, the northern ten tribes. And it's going to be so, sort of like the writing on the wall for them. Because uh, they're advancing and, and they're starting to make inroads. And they're, you can almost tell, it's almost like a, a dog being able to sniff uh, ground meat somewhere. And, you know, the meat is setting there and the dog is a ways away and he starts to sniff and he starts to get a little closer. And then he's, he's thinking about it and he comes and he grabs a piece and he runs off and then he's back for a while. And then he comes back again and it's sort of like that because the enemies of God are seeing just the dilapidated state and they are going to take advantage. And God is going to allow it. And he's going to allow Assyria and even Syria. So there's Syria and then there's Assyria. Both of these nations are going to come against Israel and eventually against Judah as well. And why does God allow that? Does he delight in the death of his people? Well, of course not. The scripture tells us that he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, and he certainly, and they were wicked, but he's, he's compassionate, but he's going to allow it because he's going to chasten them. And whenever you see this word chasten in the Bible, it always has this idea of instruction embedded with it. So 
When you are chastened by the Lord, yes, it can hurt, and there can be circumstances where your life gets a little edgy, but God is doing it, and he's doing it to instruct you, not just to pound you. See, our fathers, when we were younger, they they would punish us, and because they're angry, they might go over the edge a little bit. They might discipline us a little too long or a little too harshly out of their anger, but God, his anger is perfect. And he knows exactly what to do and how to do it. And it's always in measure according to his purpose and plan. So there's always, with everything that God allows, and we'll see that in the lives of Judah and Israel, that he will, it's in in measure, but it's always with the intention of drawing them back. He's never just going to punish them and say, I'm done with you forever. It's never that way. There was always this idea of, I'm doing this now because of this, but I want to give you hope. I want to tell you what I'm going to do afterwards. And God always gives that hope. And that's important to remember. And he does that with us too. So don't get discouraged when you're chastened of the Lord. He's not there to punish you. Just to punish you. It's there for instruction. And his desire, his aim is always to draw you back to himself. Never forget that. Because the enemy and your own feelings will say, God hates me because I've done this thing and now I've got these consequences I've got to deal with. He just wants to crush me into pieces and be done with me. And the devil's going, yeah, that's exactly right. And your feelings are going, yeah, that's right. And God's going, what are you listening to the devil in your flesh? That's why it's important, folks, to know the Word of God, to know His character. As we go through the Scriptures, you're going to see the character of God in action. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. The God of the Old Testament is the same God that's in the New Testament. He's a God of mercy in the Old. He's a God of mercy and grace in the New as well. No difference between them. Okay? And so... We see in verses 19 and 29, uh, Assyria making advances, and this would be, like I said, the writing of the, on the wall for them. And it won't be long, and the Assyrians will finally come and take the northern tribes, the northern kingdom, captive. And, and they'll do that in 722 B.C. So the northern kingdom's about ready to fall. Literally just a couple chapters away from the whole thing just falling um, and, and them being led into captivity. So let's just read down to the first 12 verses, and then we'll come back to um, verse 1. It's a pretty lengthy chapter, and a lot of it is, um, uh, we're going through a lot of kings very quickly, okay? And there's not a great deal known about some of these, and we'll pause on a few of them to look at some few things. But notice in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, In the uh, 27th year of Jeroboam, now this is Jeroboam 2, that uh, Amaziah had uh, named his son uh, Jeroboam. But this is Jeroboam 2. The first Jeroboam was a few hundred years prior to this, and so not the same guy. But in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, King of Judah, he became king, and he was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Wow. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, and then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper till the day of his death. And so he dwelt in an isolated house. 
And Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land, while his father, of course, was in this uh, isolated house because of his leprosy. And it says that, verse 6, Now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. And let's just, um, actually, let's go down through 8 through 12 here. In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel in Samaria six months. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. And then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people, and he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. And put a little star next to verse 12. This was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Yehu, saying, Your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. So pretty interesting things. And again, uh, nothing too remarkable uh, about these kings. Let's go back to verse 1 here and we'll get started. Excuse me. Notice in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel... Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. And you know, as, as we go through kings, you've probably picked this up already, that you'll see, and, and it's the only way it can be done, I guess, as it's speaking of different kings, it speaks that in the 27th year of this king, this king came into, you know, started his reign, and then he goes along, and then this one dies, and then this one starts, and so there's this constant, you know, uh, juxtaposition of when kings start and when they end and, and, and overlapping and all that. It can get a little crazy. And for that reason, um, I put these three sheets on the back counter for you. And I gave these out a number of weeks ago when we first started Kings, but I added one into this that I thought was really helpful. And I would encourage you to pick up these three. And as you go through, and, and the dates pretty much align, uh, they agree with one another because they, they rely upon one another. And you, will, you may see a, a date one year different on one sheet versus the other, but that's really no big deal. It's just a question of how you start this whole thing. So they're, they're not inaccurate at all. In fact, these are probably the best dating systems you'll find anywhere. And most everyone uses these, and they're right on. They're really good. And so I would encourage you on that back shelf just to grab one of each, and as you read through it, it'll help you a lot. It's really helped me a lot. I've actually got these pasted up in my office um, on the side of a wall so I can see them, and I'm always looking up at them and trying to get my bearings of what happened when and how. So it's really encouraging to me. But let's look at Azariah. Now, this uh, Azariah, he is also called Uzziah. So you've heard of Uzziah because um, we read about him here in Second uh, Kings 15, and we're also going to read about him in Second Chronicles chapter 26. So maybe somewhere in the top of the chapter here, write Second Chronicles 26, because that's the other part of the scripture that gives more information about uh, filling in some of the blanks, what we're going to be talking about tonight. And you'll also 
recall that Isaiah spoke of Uzziah. In Isaiah chapter 6, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the, the Lord high and lifted up, and the train filled, his train filled the temple. This is the Uzziah that he is referring to, because Uzziah and uh, Isaiah the prophet were contemporaries of one another. So Isaiah 6 and 7, you're going to see him spoken of there, and also in the opening verses of Hosea and Amos, who are both uh, pre-exilic prophets. Does everybody understand what pre-exilic means? It means before they went into exile. So Israel at this point hasn't gone into exile. They're right on the edge. We're going to see in the next two chapters, they're going to go into exile. So these prophets have been prophesying, and so they call them pre-exilic prophets, meaning they prophesied before either uh, Israel or Judah had gone into exile. And they're always warning them to turn away from their sin, because if they don't, God is going to take them into exile. The point being is that if God sends a prophet and and tries to uh, tell them what they're doing wrong, and then encourages them to repent of their sin, and they do, then God can stop this army that's coming for them, right? Because God can control that, can't he? And so that's what a pre-exilic prophet is. And then there are other prophets who are exilic prophets, those who prophesied during the exile. People, uh, folks like um, uh, Daniel and Jeremiah, those are good examples of uh, exilic prophets. And there's other post-exilic prophets like Zechariah and, um, and, and, and Malachi, I believe. And so... Azariah, or Uzziah, he was co-regent with his father, meaning while his father was uh, waning in his reign, uh, Amaziah, um, excuse me, these names are so close that if you're not careful, you can mix them up. So Azariah was co-regent with his father, Amaziah, for the last 25 years of Amaziah's reign, which was 792 to 767. For those who are interested in those kinds of dates. And then Jehoash, according to 2 Kings 14, verses 13 and 14, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, he took him hostage for a season in Samaria until Joash died, and then uh, Amaziah was let go. But Azariah, this king that we're speaking of now, he reigned for a total of 52 years, from 792 to 740. BC, the second longest reigning king in Israel, or Judah. The only one who reigned longer was Manasseh for 55 years. So a very long time. So verse 2, it says, He, speaking of Azariah, was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except the high places were not removed and the people sacrificed still, and they burned incense on the high places. So just like his father Amaziah, Azariah, started off well. He started off well, but he didn't finish well. And it's important to not only start off well, but to finish well. Right? Don't you want to finish well? I don't want to start my Christian life and do everything really well and draw close to God. And then in my latter years of, of my walk with him, I, I just kind of walk away. And I, you know, I still got my salvation, but you know, we can get lazy and we can do stupid things. And I don't want to be that person who gets careless because we have to be watchful all the time. 
We can't take a vacation from our, our relationship with Christ. And if you're really loving him and allowing him to love you, it's not really a chore. It's not really a, a difficult thing to do. It's really just like breathing. It's just walking. And it really ought not to be a big thing. But we do have to be watchful. And if you're loving him, you're going to be watchful. Because you know the, the things that are out there that are going to trip you up. You know the devil's devices. You know what he's trying to do. But notice that Azariah only went so far in ridding Judah from its idolatrous practices and habits. He didn't remove the high places, and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on them. But the people of Judah, the people of Israel actually, they were to worship in one place, weren't they? They were to worship in one place. God had told them that they were to worship in one place. Right in the margin of this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, and I'm going to read it to you, because this whole idea of, you'll see it over and over again as these kings come and go, as they're introduced, you'll see uh, very similar refrains that God uses, and this is one of them. He did like he was fine, he started off well just like his dad, but... The high places were still there, and the people continued to burn incense. And so they, they, they were doing well, but they didn't go the full distance. But in Deuteronomy chapter 12, beginning in verse 10, this is what God had told Israel before they came into the promised land. Remember, they were on the eastern side of the Jordan after being uh, coming out of Egypt, spending 40 years in the desert. They're just getting ready to come into the promised land and God sets them down and says, okay, i got some things I need to tell you. And here's, the first one, or here's one of them. He says, but when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest on all, from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, then there will be a place where the Lord God, no, excuse me, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you. Notice your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, and all the choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. And so he's saying there's going to be a very specific place that I want you to do this. And of course God would choose Jerusalem. He would choose Jerusalem. But unfortunately these kings of Israel never went the distance. You know there's nothing worse than only going so far and never finishing you know, it's like eating an apple pie. If you're going to eat the apple pie, then eat the apple pie for heaven's sakes. Don't eat like half of it and then leave the other half. Uh, men, eat the whole thing, right? You don't stop. You eat the whole thing. So if you're going to start it, finish it, <laughs> right? And so, but these kings, they didn't go the distance. God told them to rid their enemies. They didn't do that, and it caused them trouble. And then he tells them to rid these high places that the pagans used to worship and sacrifice up on these places, and they would still use those places up there. They might claim that they were worshiping Yahweh, and that's all fine and good, but God says, no, you got to bring it down here, because here in Jerusalem is where I ought to be worshipped. And don't you think God has the right to say, 
this is where I want to be worshipped, and this is how I want to be worshipped. It's not up to us. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.